How about we open this sermon on prayer with prayer? All right, let's pray. God, we are sinful people. We come here with a lot of baggage this morning. We have failed you. And yet, God, we come boldly to the throne of grace because we know that you hear us because of Jesus Christ and his perfect righteousness. So forgive us for our sin, God, and give us the strength to move ahead confidently in step with your Holy Spirit. God, build us into an army of people who have been touched and changed by grace, who go out in love and impact other people for Jesus Christ. Give us a passion for prayer and help us to come before you and to plead our case and to lay our burdens at the foot of the cross. And God, I ask that you hear us and that you answer our prayer. We're desperate for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you know that the living, omnipotent God of the universe just heard our prayer? We prayed in the name of Jesus Christ and God absolutely heard us. Through Jesus Christ, God hears you. He hears you and he answers you. Your prayers are not lost and blown away in the wind. Sylvia Plath, a Pulitzer Prize winning American poet and novelist wrote, I talk to God but the sky is empty. Have you ever felt like that? Sylvia Plath suffered from depression all of her life and described her despair as, quote, owl's talons clenching my heart. On February 11th, 1963, Plath committed suicide. She was found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning in her kitchen with her head in the oven. Her two children were sleeping upstairs, but Plath had sealed their room in the kitchen with wet towels and cloths. Sylvia Plath was 30 years old. I talk to God, but the sky is empty. Is the sky empty? Do our prayers ascend into nothingness? Are we alone? And is prayer just hopeless and futile, something just to make us feel good? My friends, Francis Schaeffer was right. God is there and he is not silent. There is great hope in being heard. Can we, can we, is Larry back there? No, he left. All right, I have a PowerPoint outline for you that's currently not on the screen. But we're going to try to rectify that shortly when Larry comes back from getting a snack at the snack bar. No, I have no idea what he's doing. All right. So uh, what is prayer is the first question. Prayer is speaking with God. Prayer is affection, confession, gratitude, a plea for God's help. Prayer is commitment. Prayer is worship. It's simple. Prayer is coming to our Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ the Son. 
Prayer is coming to our Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ the Son. John Piper said, Prayer is not as an intercom for increased convenience in our secluded cottages, but is a walkie-talkie connecting the general's headquarters with the transportation line and the field hospital and the front line. He said, prayer is not a bell to call the servants to satisfy some desire we happen to feel. It is a battlefield transmitter for staying in touch with the general. Life is a war zone. John Piper is right, but prayer is more. Prayer is the daily anticipated phone call a wife makes to her husband from across the ocean. The numbers are dialed with strong desire for face-to-face connection with the urgency of a month-long silence. The conversation expresses love and longing and is filled with affection and admiration and appreciation, all from an aching distance, but with a certain incomplete closeness and joy. Prayer is more than entreating God, it's enjoying God. Here are seven biblical and helpful thoughts on prayer to help us grow. Number one, prayer is offered to God alone. Biblical prayer is directed to Almighty God. We don't pray to statues or nature or gods or saints or ourselves. For prayer is worship. And it's shaped by the first two commandments. No place in Scripture instructs us to pray to anything other than God. In fact, praying to something else ends badly. 1 Kings 18.26 tells us of the prophets of Baal, that they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us! And then it says, But there was no voice, and no one answered. Then verse 29, As midday passed, They raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. I talk to God, but the sky is empty. Praying to anyone or anything other than the triune God is an exercise in futility. Faithful prayer is addressing the supreme God who can actually answer you. Psalm 86.8 says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Our God is a sovereign God, and He pays attention to what we say. The Bible is replete with examples of praying to God. Psalm 5.2, Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Psalm 69.13, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. Psalm 102.1, hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he led off with our Father in heaven. Some places in the Bible, prayer is offered even to Jesus. Prayer is offered to God alone. Now, how does God hear us? Number two, prayer is through Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Now, back in 1 Samuel 2.25, Eli the priest said directly to his sinful and rebellious sons, if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? Who can intercede for him? That's a good question. 
Who can possibly intercede between a holy God and sinful men and women? And Eli's question is answered in Jesus Christ. When you trust in Christ, you trust Him to mediate for you, to step in between you and God, to be the go-between. You trust Him to stand between you and God as your righteousness so God accepts you, not on your merits, but on Christ's merits. So when you pray, your prayers go directly to a heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, who is your mediator. Jesus is our access to a holy God. Faith in Christ is absolutely necessary for a powerful, healthy, and effective prayer life. Without faith in Christ, prayer is empty. It's useless. Several places in the New Testament, Jesus said that prayer to the Father is in my name. When we pray to God through the Son, the Father hears, and this is really great, the Father loves to answer yes in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 is an awesome passage. I love it. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In Christ, God tells you yes, yes. That is why it is through him, still in 2 Corinthians 1.20, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We say, that is true, Lord, to your glory because our, your promises are answered yes in Christ. When you pray to God according to his will or promises, all of those promises find their yes in Christ. That's great news. So prayer is through Jesus Christ, but it is also in the Holy Spirit. Jude wrote, pray in the Holy Spirit. Paul mentions the same thing in Ephesians 6.18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? To pray in the Holy Spirit, you must first have the Holy Spirit in you. Which only happens when you're born again. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ. If, you, if that has happened to you, then you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you can pray in the Holy Spirit. Everyone who is truly saved has the Holy Spirit living in them. So you can't pray in the Holy Spirit if you're not a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. It's like this. You can't truly root for the Braves if you're actually a Phillies fan. It just doesn't work. And you might say, yeah, but what if it is advantageous to the Phillies? But you're not really rooting for the Braves. You just want something to help out the Phillies. Or Pirates, which would be a better way to say it. All right. We do have a Phillies fan. That's for you, Deb. All right. Um, you need Christ to pray in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 is helpful. Paul writes, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That basically means when you live by the Spirit, you walk by the Spirit, you no longer live to satisfy your sinful desires. That's not your M.O., now apply that to prayer. If the Holy Spirit is in you and you walk by the Holy Spirit in truth according to the will of the Holy Spirit, 
and not according to the flesh, you're, you're praying in the Spirit. For those walking and praying in the Spirit, prayer is not this materialistic wish list that we just offer to our heavenly genie, that he may grant it to us, but it is the means by which you seek to more faithfully obey the Spirit. Prayer is wanting to see the uh, accomplishment of the will of God in your life. And we all need help with this. Romans 8.26 is so refreshing. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Does that sound like you? It sounds like me. My prayer oftentimes is pathetic. That's all there is to it. I've fallen asleep during prayer. God of the universe. I mean, I tail off. All right? Sometimes I get confused and lose my place in prayer. Uh, Sometimes the words just don't come. There are trillions of things in, in this world to pray for, and yet sometimes I can't think of anything. It's blank. But listen to how Paul continues in verse 26. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He says in verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's amazing. As we plead with God, the Holy Spirit helps us by also pleading our case before God. According to the will of God. That is so radically helpful. The Holy Spirit will help us pray according to God's will. Because we're weak prayers. And get this. When we pray to God by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, He hears us. He hears what we're saying. He actually listens. Psalm 65, 2. Oh, you who hears prayers. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. God hears the prayer of the righteous. Are you righteous? Yes, if you trust Christ. Because faith in Jesus means Jesus is your righteousness. You are counted righteous in him. God hears our prayer because of Jesus. Proverbs 15, 8 says, the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Having the righteousness of Christ imputed to you is essential for prayer. We have the promises of God in Christ. Psalm 66, 19 through 20 says this, but truly God has listened He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. If you're a Christian today, God listens to you. He never rejects you. He always loves you. What about non-Christians? What if you don't know Jesus? Does God hear and accept their prayers? Well, God answers any prayer he wants to answer. He's not bound by anything. He's sovereign. But the Bible contains very serious words for those who reject Christ. Listen to this, Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. 
God will not listen to you if you treasure sin. Proverbs 28, verse 9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. God rejects it. In Isaiah 1.15, God says, Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So violent and bloody hands silence prayer. In John 9.31, the blind man Jesus healed, uh, the, the, the blind man that Jesus healed, he, he said something to the Pharisees that is very, very interesting. He said, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Now, we could go on. John MacArthur gives 15 biblical reasons why God does not answer the prayers of unbelievers. Here's the point. God does not listen to those who live a lifestyle of willful and unrepentant sin. They are alone. They are without help. Sylvia Plath wrote, You, God, whom I invoke without belief, only I can choose and only I am responsible. Oh, the grimness of atheism. End quote. Godlessness is a dark and lonely place. Proverbs 15, 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked. Folks, to ensure that your prayers make it beyond the ceiling to the heart of God, you must know Christ. Powerful and effective prayer is made powerful and effective through Christ. Are you interested in your prayers being heard being powerful, being effective before an almighty God? If so, then you must know Christ and walk in the Holy Spirit. Number three, prayer is answered by God and effective. Answered prayer is one of the benefits, the great benefits that we have as Christians. It's exciting. Sometimes God answers yes, sometimes no, sometimes you gotta wait on me. But God answers prayers. If my kids ask me for a cookie, I, I will most times probably say, yes, I love my kids. I want them to be happy and have a cookie and enjoy that. If they ask for 10 cookies, what do you think I'm going to say? No, you can't have 10 cookies. Why? Because I love my kids. 10 cookies, that's bad side effects, bad side effects. Knives are cool. I have a little knife collection at home. And I'm looking forward to allowing Jeremiah to go into the store and to pick out his first pocket knife, but not at age six. Why? The not now is out of love for my son. Sometimes we think that God is not hearing us or that God does not love us when in reality he is just saying not now or no precisely because he loves us. Do we trust enough, trust God enough to receive his no and his not now? Now many times God answers yes. Rebecca was barren and so a uh, tough thing to handle. Isaac prayed. Genesis 25, 21 says, and the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And not only did she conceive, she had twins. What a blessing that was. And she became the grandmother of the nation of Israel. That's no small matter. That's a huge prayer request answered. Prayer is effective. Years later, King Hezekiah became deathly ill, and Isaiah told him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. 
And Hezekiah was a righteous king, a righteous man, and he prayed to God for his life, and he wept bitterly, and through Isaiah, God answered him this way. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. God God said, yes, prayer is effective. But God sometimes says no. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and she became pregnant. David also had her husband killed and then took Bathsheba as a wife. Nathan uh, confronted him. Uh, David repented of his sin. However, there were still consequences. And Nathan, Nathan told David in 2 Samuel twelve fourteen, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Well, that uh, busted him up. So in verse 16, it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. He didn't even eat. And we find out that on the seventh day, the child died. God answered, no. Prayer is still effective. God hears. God cares. But God sometimes says no. Now, why does God say no when it can be so painful for us? God says no sometimes to prove how much he loves you. Have you ever encountered a child who has never in their life been told no? Uh, They are little incorrigible tyrants. They're awful to be around. Parents ruin their children when they never firmly say no. God tells us no because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. And when we grieve over his painful no, he holds us by his grace. He reminds us of his love for us and he gives us the strength we need to endure so we can rise from the pain with more joy and satisfaction in God. That is what a loving father does for you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil, that's us, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God wants to give you good things. Great things. Things that help us value Him more. And sometimes to us, those good things feel a whole lot like bad things. God loves us and He answers our prayers. Prayer is effective. Number four, Prayer is a necessity and earnest discipline for faithful Christians. Prayer is not easy. It's discipline. You got to work at it. Certainly doesn't come easy for me. Like anything worth doing, you have to commit to working at it and God will help you to pray. Jesus prayed in the darkness of the early morning. He was so devout. He even prayed all night to God. He devoted himself as the son of God to disciplined prayer. One parable made uh, the point to never give up um, or to lose heart. There was a widow who kept going back to the judge and just getting up in his face, pleading her case over and over and over. She was relentless, laying it before the judge. And after a while, the judge just gets worn out and says, fine, I'll give you justice. And she gets what she asked for. Paul said a lot about disciplined prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, he said. Pray without ceasing. Be constant in prayer. 
Even the 3,000 new Christians, I want to make that point, new Christians in Acts 2 devoted themselves to the prayers. That's baby Christians saying, I'm devoting myself to praying to the Almighty God, and that's what they did on a regular basis. Football players who refuse to lift uh, during the season and off-season, they're called lazy and undisciplined. They're not good players. You don't want them on your team. And so Christians who refuse to pray are also lazy and undisciplined. Guilty. Discipline in prayer is one of the marks of a healthy Christian. And that's why when I look at my life, I'm thinking, where's the health? I wonder. But we must also be earnest. Before his execution... Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's intense prayer. That's pouring out your heart before God. Christian tradition tells us that James, the half-brother of Jesus, was so committed to prayer that calluses developed on his knees and he earned the nickname, get this, the man with camel's knees. That's what they called him because of his devoted prayer life. Paul noted that Epaphras always struggled, was the word he used, struggled in his prayers on behalf of the Colossians. Now, I'm not at that point, and, and maybe you aren't either to be that zealous in prayer. But one thing is for sure, we must all devote ourselves more to the discipline of prayer. We have work to do. God will help us grow. It's all grace, folks. It's not just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do it alone. Commit to this. What's wrong with you? It's in grace. Grace will catapult your prayer life, but not with our, without our commitment to grow. Number five, prayer is an exercise in humility. Prideful people don't have a meaningful prayer life. Uh, maybe pride is why you struggle in prayer. Maybe we think we can handle everything on our own. See, prayer brings us to the point to admit that we can't do it on our own and we need God's help. Do you remember the Pharisee and the tax collector who went in the temple to pray? The Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Bing. I I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. He didn't even recognize how dependent he was on God. That grace sustained his very heart and his life. But the tax collector got it. Not even looking to heaven with his head down, he beat his breast and prayed a simple but a really passionate prayer, a humble prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one did God accept? The humble sinner. That's the prayer God heard. Jesus was very, very critical of those who stood on street corners and in synagogues to pray with many words, maybe philosophical and fancy and theological words, because they prayed for the applause. If we pray to impress people, we miss the point of praying completely. God desires us to humbly just dump ourselves on Him. Number six. Prayer is focused and strategic. Do you plan for what you pray for? Let's say you're going to put an addition onto your house. Do you just walk out into the yard and start slapping sticks up? You know, we'll see where this ends. All right, I don't want to visit your house if that's the approach that you took. 
for your addition. I'll sit outside. But uh, it, it's really easy to rush into shallow prayer without intentionality, without planning it out. But a little planning goes a long way. And there are plenty of examples in Scripture where prayer is focused and strategic. Matthew nine thirty seven and 38 is a relevant one for our church. Uh, we need to pray this strategically. Okay, this is what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's focused. That's strategic. For there to be a spiritual harvest, we need workers. And workers are not in abundance, so we need to ask God to bring us workers to go out into the labors. Maybe he's going to transform you, and that will be how he answers this prayer, that you become a worker out there to bring a great spiritual harvest. Pray about that. Pray about that. Another example is Luke 6, 28, where Jesus said, pray for those who abuse you. That's very specific. We're going to need to pray like that. More and more as hostility toward faithful Christians grows in America. It is coming full steam. There are scary things happening in our nation that I hear all the time. And I'm like, we are a much different nation than we were just 20 years ago. Perhaps you've been abused. Perhaps you will be abused. Have you prayed for your abuser? Are you ready to pray for them? Above all, our greatest focus in prayer should be the will of God. God is not a genie there to grant us our wishes. The punctuation of all prayer should be the strategic and heartfelt, your will be done. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, God hears us if we ask according to his will. We gotta ask according to his will. Our greatest focus in prayer should be the will of God accomplished in our lives. There are so many things to pray for, too many to pray for, for us to cover It's overwhelming. And so focus on strategic prayer. That's helpful. Think it through. Allow God to guide you and pray for God's will to be done. What is it that is in your sphere of influence that you can be regularly praying for? Because we just can't cover it all. Now, the last point is probably the most significant. Number seven, the most important thing in prayer is a passionate heart for God. You do not need to be a Ph.D., in theology, to pray powerful prayers. You don't need all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't even need to have all the right words that just sounds eloquent as it flows to pray powerful prayers. John Bunyan is attributed to this quote. Not sure if it's him, but I think it might be. He said, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Your heart is key. Now, you might be insecure about the way you pray. That might be really fearful for you to pray in public in front of someone else. And I can be the same way. Sometimes when I get together with pastors and people who are really theologically sharp, my prayers change. I I try to sound intellectual to impress the people sitting around. And and at that moment, you lose all reverence before God. He's like, what is that? You know, probably is, really? That's what you're gonna, okay. 
Prayer is not impressive because of how we sound. It's impressive because of the God to whom it is directed and the heart from which it ascends. A passionate heart for God is critical in prayer. We're told in Hebrews 5-7 that God heard Jesus because he was reverent. The heart of Jesus was just so there. It was so right. He got it right. His heart was right. Jesus taught that prayer is effective if we have faith. We must believe God hears us, believe God will answer us, and believe God loves us and wants the best for us. Paul said, with the heart one believes. The heart is so crucial to an effective prayer life. Now this week, I came across a passage of Scripture that really challenged me of a way that I as your pastor could love you more. Um, one of the ways that I love you as your pastor is to work really, really hard to preach God's word well. That is an expression of my love for you, to be preaching God's word well. That's part of my role before God to do. I serve you in that way. But another way is to pray for you. But I have not been diligent in that area as a pastor. I have been unfaithful to God. And I want that to change. And I want you to know that it's a work in progress and I will not figure this out this week. Uh, But I'm committed to changing and doing a better job at that. The challenging passage that I found was Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And when I read it, I thought, this is what? This is perfect. I need to pray this for Jerusalem church. This This is like what I want for Jerusalem church. This is my heart before Jerusalem church. And so by God's grace, I commit to pray Philippians 1, 9 through 11 for you all. And the prayer goes like this. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And that last little line totally struck me because in our vision statement, it says to the glory and worship of God. And so this is, this is like perfect for me to pray. And I want that for us. I want Philippians 1, 9 through 11 to be true of our church. And I work hard, really hard to see that accomplished. So I commit to pray that for Jerusalem Church and may God answer my prayer. Would you commit to praying for me? I need you to pray for me. Besides praying for the spiritual health of my family, I ask that you pray two things, Colossians 4, 3 and Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. First, pray Colossians 3, uh, I'm sorry, 4, verse 3 that God may open to me, your pastor, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Pray that God gives me opportunities for evangelism, to share the gospel, to preach to more people. Pray that for me, please, that God brings people into my life that I can be faithful to share the gospel to preach, to proclaim, and pray Ephesians 6, 19, that words 
may be given to me as your pastor in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Pray that God gives me the words to preach the gospel boldly. To not apologize for Christ, but to come out with it and to be faithful in it. And to just preach as I ought, as God calls me to preach. Would you commit that? Please commit to pray for me in that area. Now here are four uh, quick practical ideas to help you grow in prayer. Um, I just want to fly through it. It's just quick to get your mind thinking of, of how to help. Number one, use the Acts prayer acrostic. Start with A, adoration. And just, just begin by telling God what you love about him. Then C, confess, confession. Spend time confessing your sins before the Almighty God. Plead for his forgiveness through Christ. Then T, thanksgiving. Continue by expressing your gratitude to God for anything and everything. And lastly, S, supplication, which is a fancy word. Basically, pour out your heart before God and ask him. Ask him for help, to help you, to help others, to answer the prayers, the things that are on your heart. Okay, remember that little acrostic, ACTS, A-C-T-S. It will help you in an outline for prayer when you don't know what to pray for. Number two, pray the scriptures. Open your Bible up and what you're studying, pray those things. So if you're studying the Ten Commandments and you're going through that and you just read them, pray them. Pray them for you, pray them for others, pray them for me, pray them for the church. If you study about Jesus feeding the 5,000 or you could say up to 25,000 or close to there, then pray that Jesus becomes for you the sweet and tasty bread of life. Pray that for others, that kind of thing. Number three, pray and, and expand the Lord's Prayer. So you probably all have it memorized. We say it uh, throughout the year here. But expand that. Our Father who art in heaven. God, thank you for being a loving Father to me. Thank you for adopting me into your family and making me your son. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy, O Lord. And I worship and revere your name and love your name and so on. And just go through it. Expand it. Number four, pray by singing. Grab some really good theological songs and learn them. And then sing them or sing with the CD in the car or sing in the shower. But make that a way to direct praise and request to God. Sing. Sing. That'll help. Folks, you're not alone. God hears you. God cares for you. He listens and he even answers. Study the Bible and see all the answers and promises he gives you through his son, Jesus Christ. God absolutely hears you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your, your goodness and your grace. God, we know that you hear us through Jesus Christ. He is so precious to us because when we pray, we come through him and because he mediates and intercedes and the spirit intercedes on our behalf, God, we know that you hear us and that you're pleased to answer. God, prayer is something that I struggle with deeply. I have for years and years, ever since I was a little kid. I just, I get bored. I, 
I move around, I, I want to be doing other things. And that shows that there is something broken deep within my heart, that I am not being faithful as I should be. So God, forgive me for that. Help me to lead this congregation uh, to be an example of what a prayer warrior is. Thank you for our prayer warriors who lead us by example. I pray that, that Jerusalem church would be a praying church. And that you would answer prayers so clearly that we would have nothing else to do but to praise you for answered prayer. And help us to remember those things and to keep coming back and to mention them and to rejoice in them together. Because our God is a God who hears us and who answers us and who says yes a lot of times and who says no sometimes and who asks us to wait sometimes. God, you are good. You have not abandoned us. You love us. You hear us. You are there with us. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first long line of the song that we're going to sing now.